Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's time. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Have been a very prolific. This is Wretched Radio. Oodles O emails sent to idea at wretched.org and the newfangled texter machine, 1 282 2337, with your questions, comments, conundrums, and snarks. We start with Matt, who, uh, who asks Todd, I-, I heard in apologetics that the disciples would not have died for something they believed was false. How is this fact different than the cases of Jonestown or the Branch Davidians? Very, very fair question. There's one word. Eyewitnesses. They saw Jesus. They didn't just hear about Jesus. They saw Jesus being beaten, crucified, die, rise again. They saw it. They couldn't deny it. It was quite clear. They were willing to go to the stake or to be quartered or to be burned alive or dipped in oil because they couldn't deny what they had seen and heard. People will follow a cult leader because, well, he's charismatic in a small C kind of way. Uh, he offers promises. He acts like a father. Whatever it is that, that is the attraction. But inevitably, you will have people that are in those types of personality-driven cults go, I need to get out of here. No, sorry. The government's going to burn it down. I got to go. Why? Because they were simply believing a guy and what he claimed. The disciples were eyewitnesses. They knew it to be true. And you have those reliable accounts in your Bible. That's Needless to say, one of the things that makes Jesus different than Jim Jones' idea at Wretched.org, 1-877-282-2337. And this is from John. Todd, I'm a practicing Christian and listen to and play guitar, mostly heavy metal music. Lyrically, there's a lot of speak about political messages and war within the music. Is it sinful to listen to this music? Well, it depends, obviously, on what it is. But note this. Don't let your enjoyment of an art form delude you into thinking that it is not getting into you. It does. I, 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 this, this, this is something I think we've all been observing more and more. And, and, and we're really quite foolish if we think it's just everybody else. We can talk about the Gen Zers. Oh, you know, the social media, how it's impacted them. And they're doing the TikTok thing and it's getting in there. Well, whatever it is that we're consuming, and you consume stuff all the time. I'm not just talking about cable TV, social media. You're just getting messages all over the place. People at work, when you're driving, the billboards, whatever. You're just bang, bang, bang. To think that it's not getting in there is just to be a little naive. So if you're listening to music with a bad worldview, 
that is teaching the opposite of what you hold to be true. Um, I'm not sure that I would call it a sin to listen to, unless, of course, it's overtly sinful. I just don't know that it's really wise for the sake of your soul. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I like to. I like to read. So I just read the Communist Manifesto. It's just. It's well written. You'd go. Maybe you want to find a different form of literature than that. One eight seven seven two eight two two three three seven. All right, this is from Ron. Todd, is being a surrogate mother for money wrong according to scripture? According to scripture, that's that's a statement that needs to be understood. All right, just would you grant me a little grace, Freel? Every second we listen to this program, we're granting you grace. This I've been I've been kind of occupied with this thought that there are a lot of believers who think that their faith should tell them specifically what to do in every instance. And the expectation then would be, give me the Bible verse that says this. Tell me where it's, what it says about surrogate, sur, sur, you know what I'm talking about, having a baby for somebody else, surrogacy for money. Give me that, give me that verse. I can't do that, obviously, because that practice wasn't around in the first century, and it would have made no sense to the first century audience. So what must we do as Christians? I, I don't know what the percentage is versus with clear Bible verses, but when 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is profitable for all things and for instruction in righteousness. In other words, the Bible is sufficient. That is true. But that doesn't mean that there's a Bible verse how many seconds before you reach the intersection should you put on your turn signal, which is something people used to do as a courtesy of other people to signal their intentions? You go, well, I there's no Bible verse like that. Okay, well, so what do you do? You take a cumulative understanding of the Bible, the verses that are perhaps as implicitly close to your subject matter, and you put them all on a plate. They should be downloaded from your brain from studying the Bible, and then you exercise wisdom. And the more you do that, the more intuitive it becomes, the more natural it is, because as God goes about the business of wiring your brain with truth, taking the, the plugs out of wrong sockets, plugging it in where it should be, more and more, you're just going to know how to live and talk, respond, spend. And I, think, and I think that's what we need to do with this particular subject. We need to take a look at everything the Bible would have to say about childbearing, families, and, 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 and we, can, we can take a look secondarily or even thirdly at some of the impacts of, of what is being discussed here. But if we take a look at the Bible, the Bible is very fond of a father and a mother having children. And when, when surrogacy is involved, uh, the mother of the child gives up the child so that the other woman can play the role of mother. But she's not the biological mother, which we would have to say would be superior. Bio moms, bio dads. And so when I consider family, when I consider Life. Now, when I consider the impact on a child, any time a child is separated from bio mom, even if it is right out of the womb, 
It is a traumatic experience and it has lifelong implications for that child. And so I would say biblical wisdom in general would, would inform me, no, that's, that's not something we should do. And I, I understand why you might be tempted to do that. There, there are at least two reasons. One would be money, understand. But the other would be, well, I'm, this couple, they want to, but they can't. I'm, I'm helping them. I, I understand that sentiment. But please note, it's not ideally helpful for the baby. Furthermore, the bio mom and the bio dad is the biblical pattern that is established as the norm. And to seek to go outside of that norm, even for what would be altruistic reasons, I think would be to violate the tenor of Scripture. Not a particular verse, but the tenor of Scripture. Jamie, you got anything to add to that? Uh, no, I just I was thinking about several things as you were you were talking, and I think there's a lot of layers to it. But uh, I think the first thing that popped into my mind was, um, and you talk a lot about uh, rads, um, mm -hmm. but I think that's a big implication. Yeah, even if it's not you know adoption in per se. Yeah, that but that would oh, that would be that would be the wisdom bringing in observation experience. That would be secondary mm -hmm. to what does the Bible say? Right. Because if the Bible said, thumbs up, do it, well, then that must be the right thing to do. But I, th I think seeing the impact that it has on children that are separated from their bio mom, uh, that's a high cost for the child. That's a high cost for the child. And the child could have all kinds of emotional scars from that later in life. Uh, wait a second. You mean... You paid another woman and then took me away from my bio mom for cash so that I could live with you and you could be my mom. You can imagine. Now, that's wisdom, but I want to do it as biblically as possible. And in this situation, and more often than not, it's not just a Bible verse. You got to think of all of the Bible verses. This is true with so many things. Spending issues. How's about this one? This, this is one that came up in Bible study on Wednesday night. Homeless people, what do you do? We're supposed to love. First John says, hey, beloved, if you love one another, that means you're a Christian. But if you don't, you got something and somebody asks you for something and you don't give it to them, don't be calling yourself a Christian. Whoa. Okay, first of all, in the context, it's talking about brothers and sisters in the faith, not the world. Just saying. First John 2, 3, and 4, it is about the love of the brotherhood. But it's clear, nevertheless, we see if, if I'm not loving, if I'm not willing to give, something's wrong with me. It, it could mean that I'm a false convert. It just could mean that I've got some repenting to do. Why? Because the Christian heart, it's a desire to help. And yet, you've got the homeless. And then you've got Paul telling the Thessalonians, if somebody isn't willing to work, they're not willing to eat. So how do I figure out what to do with the homeless? It's a wisdom issue. It's a wisdom issue. And that comes through one path only, the means of growth, probably predominantly studying your Bible. This is Wretched Radio. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Could we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day. 
at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high teledocs, Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save, or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. All right, well, buckle up, get ready. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Favara is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical truth. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it, they're going to cover it this season, and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it. Get ready, because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Road Trip to Truth, Season 4, available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash F-O-U-R. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats. They get materials that they learn the Bible. They memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Important dates in Christian history. 64 AD, after fire ravages Rome, Emperor Nero blames Christians and unleashes the first state-sanctioned persecution of Christians. Roman persecution would continue for 250 years until Emperor Constantine officially recognized and defended Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Pay attention, Auntie or Grandma. This is Wretched Radio. I love it when you send stuff to idea at wretched.org. Please keep the stories and the articles coming. I would have never found this particular article, which is from finance.yahoo.com. Here's the headline. Gen Z and millennials are more into gig work than ever. Jimmy, that sounds great. Yeah. The, the Gen Zers and the millennials, hey, they're putting their, their, their hand to the plow and they're getting busy. Would you like to know what percentage actually have a side hustle? What's percentage? What? 3.6%. Not sure that headline <laughs> drew with 3.6%. But here was the line that struck me. This is the opening line. 
And and this is this is it it is I hope an encouragement to you if you are younger to reject this kind of thinking. But this is also another example of how the world gets into you. Some you could read an article like this. It's just about statistics. How many Gen Zers and millennials have two jobs to make ends meet, which apparently they don't because it's not even enough in today's building back better economy. But listen to what gets into you. Even if you just read it, it's getting in there. Any young adult is well acquainted with the dreaded question from an intrusive aunt or grandparent. Here it is. You ready for the dreaded intrusive question from a loved one? What do you do for a living? No! No! How toxic! How dare you ask me? You're oppressing me! I'm ghosting you, Granny. You asked the person on the sitting on the plane next no! to you. No! No! <laughs> How dare you? Are you dating anybody? No! Would you like to get married? No! Curses! I've got to get out of this family. That's a mindset that is cultivated constantly. If you're younger, reject it. If you are not receiving this particular message, please know you're getting other messages from the world. Here's a message that we get with virtually every commercial. You need to be perfectly healthy and happy. You need to live like this image. Now, you say, well, but commercials are kind of mindless to me. I just, I'm just waiting for the show to come back. They get in there and they inform and they cultivate. And in the instance with the younger generation, the idea that all older people better back off and better give me my space to be my autonomous self. If you're younger, please know. You're, I hear this all the time. And I, 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 I paused for a second because I was going to say regularly. No, I, I mean, I hear it this much all the time. My kids, they just, I, I, the relationship is so strained with them. I, you know, I, I, I try to encourage them with, with something regarding their job or finances, and then they don't talk to me for six months. That mindset is getting into you, and it's terrible. Your Bible tells you that the wisdom of your parents is good. I know there are some genuinely toxic parents. I get that. I'm not talking about the exception. I'm talking about the rule. Parents, typically Christian parents, are good parents. They're not perfect. They're good, and they know more than you do. They know. Okay, Jimmy, we're going to use you for a moment. All right. How old are you? 60. Uh, what? <laughs> 41. Really? Yeah. Is that young or old to you? Well, just the way you look. I mean, okay. So 41, <laughs> you're 41. 41. All right. And your oldest child, is, no, your youngest child is? 12. Oh, this is going to be hard math. So you've been, you've been alive 29 adult years longer than your 12 year old. Right. You idiot. <laughs> And they hear him saying, "Doesn't that sound ridiculous?" It's like, wait a second, the guy's got twenty-nine adult years of living. He's not an idiot. He's he's a he is a treasure chest filled with wisdom. It's a small treasure chest in this (laughs) instance. You you didn't think that I was just going to be flat out kind, (laughs) did you? No, that would ruin the roles we play here. Jimmy's twenty-nine. You've been an adult longer than all of your kids have actually been alive, right? Don't do that to your parents. 
And don't do that to yourself. And if you are a Gen Zer, get a second job. one 877 Work is good. Work is so good. Do you remember that Samuel? I'm telling you, that Samuel Miller sermon, it was two sermons combined into a pamphlet written in 1802 about the subject of suicide. It was so rich with wisdom. I know he's been dead for 200 years. How could he know anything? He must have been so stupid. He was probably, I don't know, white, Christian, male. He was so insightful about what promotes human flourishing, the good things of life. And one of the good things for you is to be active, working, accomplishing, serving, doing. It will make you feel better. It's interesting. It, it really opened up my number of categories. My long, I created a longer list. Why are so many kids these days depressed or anxious? And we've talked about things like social media, uh, the 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 futility of just being immersed with pixels and not having human interaction. Certainly a lack of belief in God is massive. Broken homes. Got it. Got it. Got it. But Samuel Miller, he, he just came up with a longer laundry list. Uh, there, too much free time. Too much lounging. Bad for it. It cultivates the opposite. God works. You should be working, image bearer. And when you do, it's going to feel good. You're going to like it. If you throw yourself into it and do it for him, it will feel good. And you'll be rewarded with a paycheck, no matter how big or no matter how small, because that's the way that God has made you to flourish. Too much amusement, too much entertainment. Our pleasure centers are meant to be visited and not squatted and occupied. Everything's got to be pleasure. I got pleasure, 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 pleasure. I got to get a bump. I got to get a hit. I need a little dopamine right now. I got to look at my cell phone. It's not good for you. And it leads to the opposite of flourishing, which would be not flourishing, being depressed, anxious. Uh, just what's the point? There's nothing to do. I just want to sleep all the time. Do, do, do yourself good. Get busy and serve others. Get another job. You got the time and you got the energy and you need the money. And don't forget to serve in your local church. Idea at wretched.org. You're just messing with my work-life balance, Todd. That's exactly, there's the message. Yep. I, I just saw there was, there, there's, a, there's a debate. Apparently the German finance chancellor, whatever his title is, they're trying to push for a four-day work week. And his quote, I'll translate from German for you. No country has ever flourished by working less. <laughs> but that's the mantra, work-life balance. You got to work life more, more play than work. Nope, more work than play. Yeah, That's the Christian motif. Idea at wretched.org. It's interesting. I know I keep uh, going back to it, but it's interesting when you look at creation and we were given work as men before woman was even created. It's good. Yeah, it is. It's good. Mm. It, it, will, it will make you feel better. If you happen to be a teenager right now and you're just logy, you're, you're, it's like your feet. They're probably pretty big anyway. They just feel like they're weighed like 800 pounds. Just, ugh, I don't even want to shower. Get up and shower. Get on it. Do, you're you're, you're going to be pulled to do what, what feels comfortable. But remember, the, the 
the devil is a father of lies and the world system and all of its messages, it tells you, yes, gaming all day. That's what makes you feel better. It is taking you down. It is a lie. And you are just going to descend further and further into the blahs. Don't. Here's a, here's a challenge for you. Now, this, this, is, this is a challenge that, that might help you to be a little bit more honestly introspective of self. If I said to you, no, I'm not going to become a Pharisee. If I just said to you, hey, bro, sis, don't game. Don't go on your phone for a week. And use that time to do other things, like serve in your local church, read your Bible. You, 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 you would go, no, no. If, if, that's, if that would be your response to that encouragement, there's a really good chance you've bought the lie of gaming, of fun, of lazing, of social media. And, and the mantra that says everything is about your pleasure. Everything is about how you feel and living any way that you want. God put you together. He knows what is best. You want you don't go to an auto mechanic to get your watch fixed. I mean, you go to a you go to a jeweler, you go to a watchmaker. Boom. You've got a human maker. It's God. And he's revealed his mind and everything you need to know in the Bible. And here's what he says: You're an image bearer, I work, get to work. Yeah, you can enjoy some things. He enjoyed his creation, didn't he? But he continued to sustain the world, hold it together by the word of his power. Jesus worked, worked. He was sun up till sundown working. Did he ever go to a wedding party? Yep, but it was the exception, not the rule. Why? Because work is the mandate. And downtime? is to simply rejuvenate you so you can get back to work and you will feel better for it. This is Wretched Radio. And now it's time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. The kindergarten in Germany has plans to change its name. Ready for this? Because its current name isn't diverse enough. It's called the Anne Frank Kindergarten. Yep, Anne Frank, who famously wrote about hiding from Nazis during the Holocaust. Yeah, well, honoring her is now deemed not inclusive enough. Can't make this stuff up, can you? There's nothing that's sacred anymore. Not even paying tribute to a historical victim of racism and hate. The little growing pain himself, Kurt Cameron, has called out scholastic bugs for pushing sexually explicit material to children. He spotlighted titles that glorify gender transitioning and sexuality in graphic detail and clearly details that are inappropriate for minors. But Scholastic continues to churn out the harmful books marketed to kids as young as nine. What happened to uh, letting kids just be kids? Cameron also would take issue with what's going on in New Jersey. The school district has partnered with a group that provides chest binders and other paraphernalia in sex ed kits for transgender students. Look, we're talking about minors here. We are talking about adults who are providing things of a sexual nature to children under the age of 18 without parental consent in most cases. Parents in that district are outraged, and rightfully so. This radical gender ideology has no place around minors. It has no place in schools. Can we not just get back to reading and writing and math and teaching children how to be productive members of society? That seemed to work well for decades. 
And speaking of schools overstepping boundaries, students in Ohio recently staged a walkout to protest this transgender nonsense in their school system. Over half the student body protested a policy that would allow biological boys into girls' restrooms and locker rooms. The students carried signs saying they stood for safety and privacy. Good on them. Good for those children for speaking up and demanding boundaries. Schools should actually be proud of things like this. And they should also empower parents not override their concerns for the privacy and safety of the children that they have been charged to protect several hours per day. Finally, a GOP congressman sounded the alarm about TikTok this week, accusing it of radicalizing American youth. He warned that the app is driving young people to root for terrorist organizations like ISIS. And I don't know if that's going too far or not far enough, but we can't ignore the influence of social media. Our children have impressionable minds. They're absorbing all kinds of content out there, and wisdom and discernment are still sorely needed. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the heir of all things. All things were created for Jesus. When Christ returns, all creation will be given to him. And as our mediator, he makes us co-heirs and will share all things with us. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's see if Jimmy lets us get along with our regularly scheduled programming. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, Jimmy. Yes. Before you interrupt again. Okay. Got a little statistic here. This is from news.gallup.com. Teens spend an average of 4.8 hours on social media per day. That is a big chunk of your day. And that means if that describes you, and apparently it does, you could be on the high side or the low side, but hours a day that are totally worthless. Totally. When was the last time somebody that you know, a fellow teenager, young adult said, dude, I got a raise. The boss said he wanted to pay me more because I watched so much TikTok. Doesn't happen because it just profits nothing. Looking at Mr. Beast videos. Yeah, I get it. It's amusing. You ain't going to get a pay increase or a job promotion. You aren't going to be the most interesting person at the dinner party. Come on. You know what it's like. Um, Hey, Jimmy, um, before you pass the asparagus, man, I saw this video. It was it was Brian Regan. And he's telling (laughs) jokes about me monster. And he's because, well, no, wait, he's at a dinner party. And there's a guy who's talking about having two teeth. But then there was like a guy who went to the moon. It was really funny. <laughs> Pass the asparagus. You'd probably want to throw the asparagus. Dude, you're boring. You don't have anything interesting to reciting and regaling YouTube videos. Ain't nobody digging that. You read a book, study the word of God, learn theology. And you're going to grow in wisdom and you're going to be able to dispense that with practicing discretion, which is another sign of wisdom. And people are actually going to be interested in what you have to say. But that takes work. You, gotta, you just got to resist the lie that says, watch more videos, play more games. That's a lie. Learn, grow, 
serve. You want to do something today, today, that makes you feel better than you currently do. Here it is. You ready for this? Remember what it is that your parents have been wanting to do to improve the home. They talk about it all the time. You know, those gutters, we got to get those gutters cleaned. Uh, the garage, it's a, we, that closet that's out in the garage, we just have to, oh, the Christmas ornaments, they need to be, what is it? What, what have they been, go do that. Go do it. And don't just do it like, fine, and then you drag your feet off and you go do it. No, you're, that's going to that's gonna pistol whip you even more. Throw yourself into it. Do a menial thing today. Half an hour. Take a half, a half an hour. That's far less time than you spend on social media. And do that thing for your parents and do it excellently. You're going to stand back. You're going to feel good. You're going to feel good. And here's something crazy. Your parents are going to be happy. They're going to come home and go, wait, you did what? Really? That's awesome. And their mood will be better because you served them and you honored them. And you did something that moved the family forward. Remember, teenager, young adult, you have a lot of control in your family. You got crabby parents. Chances are very good. It is because you are not doing much to help them. You do stuff to help them. You do things that you're told. And you even do things you're not told to do. They're going to be happy. Isn't that worth the price of admission of hard work right there? Try it. The father of lies says, watch more TikTok. God says, put it down. It's childish. Get to work. You're going to feel good about that. Jimmy, I've got another article before you interrupt again. Okay. I got a pastor here. Uh-huh. Turns out he is not guilty of the sexual accusations that were made against him. Would you like to know who that pastor is? No. Good on you. Excellent. I didn't even <laughs> read the article. I read the headline and it went, well, I don't even want to know who it is. Yep. Because anytime you read about, even if somebody's found not guilty, you still kind of go, well, yeah, but still some women said that he did stuff. It's just there. So we just hit the, hit the next button. Don't consume it. Otherwise, mm, you're just putting dainty morsels down into your guts that probably aren't good for you or anybody else, frankly. You done interrupting? I am. I'm All sorry. Right, then one eight seven seven two eight two two three three seven. And this is a text that comes from Kyle. Todd, how can I give encouragement and counsel without seeming like I'm just trying to fix a person? Uh, I could rewrite this question into a gazillion scenarios. Want to be careful that we don't go from one ditch to the other. But motivations are tricky things, and we do well to occasionally examine them. But I, I, at the same time, I, I don't encourage hyper introspection. Uh, how, how am I doing this nice thing for my little sister because my mom has been kind of crabby and she won't yell at me? You can examine that if you want to. But getting down into trying to figure out, okay, what percentage here is motivated out of love for God? What, what percentage here is self-serving? Uh, better yet to spend your focus on studying your Lord more, watching him work, do things for others, and then just get busy. Just get on it. Now, please note, I, 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 don't, I don't want to suggest that introspection is never profitable, but always being introspective is unprofitable for you. And the more you do the things that God says to do for your spiritual growth, the less you're going to examine those things. 
And most likely, your corrective will come less from you going, all right, exactly what was I thinking at that moment when I decided to not look at pornography? Was I doing it because I just didn't have enough time because somebody's become or because I didn't want to sin against God? You're going to do that less and less, and you'll just become increasingly godly. And the one who corrects you is more likely to be a family member who loves you or a church member who sees you doing something and goes, hey, bro, you know, I noticed kind of uncharacteristic, but you're bragging about that good deed that you did. You're, you're, you're kind of letting everybody know about that. Um, what's going on there? And, and you'll let others disciple you as opposed to constantly looking inward. Don't. Don't have an introspective thought and just automatically go, I don't need to deal with that because the radio boy said that I should just be growing in godliness. I'm not saying that. Find that zone, though. Find that sweet spot where it is not a perpetual self-examination. Jimmy, it looks like you want to say something. Oh, no, no. Nothing? No, no. Well, you were giving me that look. I'm sorry. I, I didn't like mean. I was inadequate. <laughs> Something. I didn't mean to give you a look. Is that how you're feeling about me? Wait a second. I'm not doing the very thing I said to not do. 1-877-282-2337. Text away. This is from Anonymous who texted in and wanted to know why repenting is not considered a work. Uh, A number of reasons. If you want to call repentance a work, fine. But how do you get repentance? Where does that come from? Who's the author? Who's the source? Do you muster it up inside of yourself? Nope. It is a gift. God gives you the gift of repentance. On the other hand, you could argue it's not a work at all. Why? Repentance doesn't mean doing good deeds. Repentance means not doing bad things. You do not get a bonus check from the government for not committing any crimes this year. It's not a work. You're just not doing something wrong. That's repentance. It's, it's no matter how you slice it, it is not you working. It can't be. You must accept either one of those explanations for repentance not being a work. You can pick whichever one you happen to prefer because it, go, it, it would go against the entire tenor of the New Testament and Old Testament that we are saved by grace alone, that it is all from God. So repentance, it can't be a work. There are two very valid explanations for that. Pick your favorite and rest in grace alone. That is repentant. one 877 All right, this one is from Hannah. She wants to know, Todd, what are your thoughts biblically on a man having a vasectomy? Biblically, what are my thoughts about it? I can't think of a Bible verse that says that would be a sin. However, I can think of a lot of Bible verses that say children are a massive blessing, which means having them, I do believe it's up to parental discretion, a lot of considerations. It's, it's, it's your call as a husband and wife. Should you choose, however, to put an end to that because it's not reversible? You better make sure that you don't want any more blessings. You just, just make absolute, positive, certain that that you're done because that procedure ain't getting that ain't getting switched. So think long and hard about it. Talk to your spouse about it. Get consultation from your your church mates, men at the church. Think this through slowly. Don't just jump into this as like, oh, we're just so exhausted from these kids. 
Let's get that procedure done. Don't do that. Be wise, knowing that I personally don't think that it is a sin to determine we're done having kids. And by the way, both parties in the marital relationship need to be on the same page. This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org/wretched preborn.org/wretched hey thank you so much for listening to wretched radio today and to our ongoing monthly gospel partners you're the foundation you're the heartbeat of this mission you stand firm with us and it's not not just a commitment, but it is a testament to your faith and dedication to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of people all over the world. And if you haven't yet quite made the leap to joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider doing so? No gimmicks, no punchlines, no hard sales here. I'm, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just giving you an honest to goodness invitation to be part of a mission that is changing lives all over the world. As we stand firm together, wavering in this purpose, united in this mission, we are able to make a difference for eternity. Wretched.org slash donate is where you can find any answers to any questions you might ever possibly have on what it would look like to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. If you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible. Bible, so generously given with the help of gospel partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord, as well as my service to the Lord in my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, if you're not plugged into the Masters Academy International, everything is about long lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. You can learn more about the Master's Academy at wretched.org slash Bible, or if you prefer, wretched.org slash pastor. Attributes of God. God is a person. He is not a detached, impersonal force. He is a conscious, self-aware being with a mind and a will. He has made himself known through Scripture, and most of all, he wants you to know him personally. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, the times they have a changed, sort of. <laughs> 
Radio. Yes, the phone still works. You can call and leave a message. one 282 beep Jimmy, if you were going to call Beep Talk right now, what would you say? Todd, you're wrong. <laughs> you didn't have to say it with so much relish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mr. 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 Mastectomies. Yes. You- I said you better make sure that you are absolutely positively certain you're done having kids because that ain't a reversible procedure. Right. You did some Googling. Yes. Which means you're now the expert. <laughs> it's reversible. But what are the statistics for reversing? Because I Googled after you informed me that I was <laughs> rah, rah. It's been a bit since I've studied the issue. There's a lot of cri- I remember we dealt with this issue on air 20, 25 years ago. And at the time when I studied it, it was like, uh, no, it's it shouldn't be considered a reversible procedure because overwhelmingly they couldn't. But now, Jimmy, according to the Google machine and not even opening up a web page, it looks like 60 to 95 percent of the time it can be reversed. But please note, there's another statistic involved. About 50 percent of the time, that person whose procedure was successful can actually get pregnant, Mm. which means half the time you can't even if the procedure was successful, you can't. So. You want to play with those odds or is it better to be really, really certain that you don't want to have kids anymore? Please remember there are alternatives, but if you are going to go the medicinal route, please always be looking for abortifacients in birth control. Please make sure you do some, you better Google that online and do a deeper dive than we just did. You better get a read Christian perspectives on this because you want to make sure that you are not inadvertently aborting your own child got to do your homework and it probably should be done more than once every 20 years or so one 282 beep jimmy people still calling this machine they are still calling 877282 Todd, hey uh 40 and not episode you were talking about an individual you view as a false teacher a charlatan those were your words but you don't want to talk about him because you haven't heard the other side. I find it a little confusing because you've made the judgment. He's a charlatan and a false teacher, Mm -hmm. yet you don't feel you can talk about him for some reason or say that. Isn't there an obligation, kind of like Paul did, when there's a false teacher, you need to warn people about him? So I was wondering about some clarity on that when you already have made the judgment he's a false teacher yet you don't want to discuss him fair enough we have discussed him by name many times because of his theology and his his false teaching hoodwinkery in that context yep we even have biblical permission to talk about them and name names in fact i codified that in a book called judge not the bible uses names a lot And it's not just the obvious one, the church boss in the New Testament, these people who stab Paul in the back. He names names. But consider the naming of the names of the horrific Old Testament kings. There it is forever. They were a stinker. And they were named because naming names is appropriate. But there are some rules involved. And the difference between naming a false teacher's name in the context of false teaching is different than talking about a false teacher's accusations of sexual escapades. That it's just a, it's just a different category. That's the distinction, sir. I, I don't want to be ta- I don't want to talk about anybody who was accused of until it is known. And even then, I need to ask myself a few discernment questions. 
will this be profitable? Will, will this actually help the body? Will this be a unique contribution that nobody else has said a thousand times? So, sir, I believe the distinction would be, yep, talk about false teachers. There are absolutely times to name names with this particular guy. We most certainly have. But accusations are a different category. And to traffic in talking about it, it's, it would be so easy to do with this guy. So easy to do. In fact, it would be so easy to cross the line into kind of a gleeful, yeah, look at the false teacher, look at oh, what he did, which you have to guard against also. Discernment ain't an easy game. It, it requires much of us. There are rules, and there's also the heart motivation behind it. And until the guy is proven guilty, like this, this will maybe sound a little bit like crazy too, but to talk about somebody who's been accused of something, and let's just say it does or doesn't come true, could it hurt other people? Could it, could it hurt them? Family, neighbors, whatever it is, parents, whatever it happens, happens to be. And you would say, well, wait a second, then does that mean you don't label them a false teacher? Nope, because I'm commanded to do that. But I'm commanded to not traffic in gossip, especially when I don't know the other side of the story. Sir, you still disagree? one 282 I've got a question for your show um, regarding money. I'm retired. I have an income of about $1,000 a month, but I would love to give $50, $25 a week to my church, but I don't have that kind of income, and I wonder about that. If you don't have money to give, you, you simply can't give, and God knows your heart. You, you've got to keep yourself alive. You've got to pay the bills. And just like anybody, whether your income is $1,000 a month or $1,000 a day, those people, they, they exist. Always need to be asking the question, could I? Is it possible that I could give more to God's kingdom? So everybody has to take a look at their own balance sheet to make those heart decisions. But if you happen to be in the place where it is just, look, if you gave money to church, you would suffer health-wise, missing meals, not able to pay the electric bill. Um, God, God knows your heart. He knows it both ways. He understands your situation. Now, in your instance, sir, he understands whether you have the ability to give or not. And that's between you and him to sort it. And you shouldn't feel guilty. If you've concluded, especially if you get counsel from others and let them go through your books with you, that you've concluded, it, it's I, I don't have anything to give, don't feel bad. You're not sinning. The Lord knows your heart. Having said that, you got lots and you're giving whatever or not giving. The Lord knows your heart too. It is God is far more interested in heart than he is in percentages. Hey, Todd and Jimmy, this is Jonathan. My question is, can a person... Hold on a second. He named, he named his name. He I did. like that. Yeah. It's like, it's, I don't know, there's just most people don't. Okay, we're not going to make it a Bill O'Reilly-like <laughs> rule, name in town, name in town, if you wish to opine, but it's kind of nice that he did. Hey, Todd and Jimmy. <laughs> Is he, is he got one loaded here, this Jonathan? Uh, gonna... This Not this one. He left another one, though. <laughs> Where he did. Yeah. All right. This is Jonathan. 
My question is, can a person who's been given over to a reprobate mind be saved? Is his spiritual condition reversible? Yes, maybe. No, yes, maybe. No, wait, I'm not ready yet. Here's the conundrum with this particular question. Our knowledge is limited. There are definitely times, consider 1 John 5, there's a sin that leads to death. It is not a particular sin. You can't say, oh, that's, you commit that sin, and then God seals your eternity even while you're still on this side of the grave. It's, it's when God determines, I'm done with you, and he makes a judicial declaration, there will be no more opportunities for grace for you. But I don't know when that is. Same thing is true with the verse that I believe you're alluding to, Jonathan. Romans chapter 1, that God gave them over. It's the descent into sin. God gave them over. God gave them up. I think that there's at least two things that are potential explanations for what it means when God gives up somebody. I think it can be that he just, he makes this First John 5, done, I'm giving you up once for all. But it could be that he's taking off the restraints of, of that guard people from sinning grievously. I, th I think that's in view also. We want to be aware that there are times that God does that, but we also want to be aware that we don't know when he does. If you looked at the life of Saul, murderous Saul, you could very easily conclude, oh, God give it, has given him up. Man, there's no hope for that guy. Surprise. We read the words of Paul all the time because he hadn't. We don't know. He does. We just don't get to be the ones who say when. And, and we, do, we, we don't want to give up evangelizing in losing hope. However, don't take my word for it. Let me use my MacArthur Study Bible, which is Romans chapter 1 and verse 24, Rexella. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness. What does the word gave up mean? Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up. Hmm. In verse 28, God gave them over. So now I'm going to look down at my little footnote. God gave them, uh, God, this is a judicial term in Greek used for handing over a prisoner to his sentence. When men consistently abandon God, he will abandon them. That, that could be the forever first John business. Indirectly and immediately by removing his restraint and allowing their sin to run its course. Two, directly and eventually by specific acts of divine judgment and punishment. I love it when that MacArthur fellow gets it right. By the way, just heard from a church, little church got together, pooled their money to give 125 Bibles to believers in the Philippines, MacArthur Study Bibles. So encouraging. Don't you love having a study Bible where you can look at the notes and go, oh, okay, got that. You can still do that, wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible. They would be blessed if you bless them with a Bible. Glad MacArthur got that right, Jimmy. <laughs> Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>